Shenanigans podcast, and on today's episode, as you can see, joining us today is one of the absolute most entertaining superstars in all of professional wrestling history. You've seen him on WWE, you've seen him on WCW, ladies and gentlemen, Buff the Stuff Bagwell. That's my Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Randy Orton entrance. Uh, I love Orton to death. Yeah, he's the greatest because... He's, he's as close to me as I can think of in the, you know, the, the, the 90s, you know, early 2000 stages of this industry. And Randy Orton is definitely one of those guys that are, you know, that I really respect and, you know, had a body and had the look and had the work ability and everything. So that's why I did the... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Buff, the, the first question here, I uh, understand you uh, you and DDP have been working at the Accountability Crib to, to get back on track. wanted to ask, uh, how big of an impact has DDP had on you personally and professionally? Tremendous, tremendously, uh, to the point where I didn't believe him. Um, he really came at me with, um, you know, having, um, you know, a brain that really wasn't, you know, it was kind of foggy. And even though I was going, dude, I'm not, I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm not that bad, you know. He really did show me that I still really was not really that bad, but just showed me that I was worse than I thought. And 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 it, it kept me um, under the, um, you know under the guidelines of simply just realizing that, you know, that what I thought really wasn't necessarily what everybody else thought. So all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, it became about everyone else instead of me. And in my life, and I am anybody that's ever truly met me, cannot say these words without having an explanation to me for it and it wouldn't be a good one and that is I am truly straight up here it is right in your face if you got a booger in your nose I'm going to tell you um, And but the catch behind that is some guys don't like that. Some guys don't like that. And with, with that said, it's like, damn, man, I mean, God, I don't want somebody to tell me I had a booger in my nose. You know? So, but then again, there really is that kind of people out there that really don't want to know those kind of things. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta find the, there's haters and there's lovers and there's all that kind of stuff. So you just gotta go with the flow the best you can. And I've had a blast on Twitter with with having a lot of fun with a lot of young people that know a lot more about Twitter than I do. And me just being honest and open and as they call Uncle Buff and Wholesome Buff, you know, I just I just was just telling the truth, you know, like I've always done. You can't, you can't mess up, bro, if you do 
there to be a pen and pad in my hand because I don't need a pen and pad in my hand because I tell the truth and it's very easy to screw up a lie but it's really hard to screw up the truth and that's what I stick by is the truth and and so I I really put out my my best to do so and I hope my fans you know even though my stories are crazy and they're unbelievable they are the truth you know the, the truth I mean me shooting my father at 18 years old is the truth now whether or not you won't believe it or not that's up to you but if you hear me tell the story you'd almost be crazy not to believe it so it's just that's the difference of my podcast to everybody else's is I've got two crazy stories I've got a childhood story that's off the chain crazy and I've also got a story of being a pro wrestler that's off the chain so I've got two stories Whereas most wrestlers have only got Uno. And that's because that's what their crazy story was. But unfortunately, I was brought up where I had two crazy, unbelievable stories. And even uh, Steve Austin said the words on my podcast, I mean, on my website that says, man, this, some of the wackiest things have happened to this guy. And the way he tells the story is unbelievable. And it's the truth. It's just unreal. I think Colin's got a question for you in regards to, uh, to WCW. Go ahead. So, um, we're going to go back to right after WCW, uh, uh, goes under having everything to do again you're one of the you're one of the people who was honorable enough to take the buyout go wrestle for WWE would you still take the buyout knowing everything that has gone on since then or would you have would you have rather stayed and just let your contract end um to be honest with you you gotta realize Bob Bagel was gonna make 80 million dollars um so what is 80,000 when you're going to make 80 million um so to be honest with you no I would have done the exact same thing uh, that I did because it was it showed my it showed my you know my honesty it showed that I was in for the win I'm, I'm all, all about WWF and it was WWF at the time and it was all about the WWF and winning you know there the only way I could do it even my agent said oh my god that's brilliant that's brilliant dude you're, you're, you're giving them it's like forty or sixty thousand dollars I can't remember when I mean it keep in mind when you're making a million dollars a year it's kind of hard to keep up with but still it was forty or sixty thousand dollars 
what was left on my contract. And regardless if it was 20, I gave Vince McMahon the amount of that money to let me join the company and show that I was a true player and I was ready to jump aboard and be part of the team and be associated with taking the WWE at the time, WWF, to the next level and let's do it. And I had no idea that I was going to be the main event one week and fire the next. Um, so it was just kind of a crazy story that, that, you know, everybody's got different beliefs and different, different venues, and different attitudes about it. But the bottom line is, is mine, my story. And my story is the facts. And the facts are, I was called by Jim Ross on a Wednesday and told to stay home that I had big plans for me on Monday. And keep in mind, I wrestled Booker T with 25 staples in my head. And they had to get a Sharpie to color the bald spot in of where I got my staples done. So, you know, um, I didn't charge their doctors. I didn't go to their doctors. I didn't make any complaints. I went to my own doctors. It didn't cost the WWF anything. I did everything you could do not to be the bad guy and still ended up with all of the heat. And, you know, to me, that's not that big a deal. I mean, when you pull up in a red Corvette at 15 years old at Sprayberry High School, that's heat. But except in Marietta, we called it what it was, jealousy. <laughs> and it's exactly what it was. It was jealousy. So are you going to be jealous and let's call it heat to be cool because we're wrestlers? Or are we going to call it jealousy because we know it's jealousy and let's be straight up? Well, you weren't going to get the let's be jealousy and let's be straight up. You were going to get the word heat, whatever. But to me, they didn't realize that in my world, I had heat my whole life. Huh. I mean, I'm a good-looking guy. I'm all county, all state, baseball and football. I'm good-looking. I got a red Corvette that I'm driving to school at 15. I mean... I almost hated myself. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But let's don't lie and say that it's it's heat when the word is actually jealousy. Um, well, and so. One thing I was always really curious about, and nobody ever really dug up or asked you over the years in interviews that I've watched with you, when WCW was about to go under, you and Lex had a lot of momentum. You guys were fresh off of ending Goldberg's second undefeated streak. Did did you and Lex have any plans, like major ones in WCW before the fold? Because like, you guys had a shitload of momentum. Well, let me tell you what we were told. We were told that we were going to take a six. The only thing that got by, and I don't know how they kept it from the top, top talent. 
count myself as a top, top talent, but I was at least riding or around the top, top talent. So I was, I would consider myself like a minus talent, you know, if you want to call it that way, the way to explain it. And they just, you know, they actually swerved us to make us believe we were taking a six-week break. That's what came across. That's what was told to us, and that's what we thought was going to happen. A six-week break. Well, me and Lex are losing to Mark Gentrack and Sean O'Hara the day before WWF took us over, which we didn't know, but it was the day before we were told that, that we were going to take a six-week break. So we were like, why are we, why are we switching the belts and the championship before a six-week break? Why even do that? It's just kind of stupid. Come back the six-week break and let them beat us and let them take the world belts if they want to take them, but why do it with a six-week break coming? We didn't get it. So long story short was um, I told Lex, I said, I'm not, when I lay down and lose, I said, I'm not moving. So when you watch that match back, it takes about 15 guys to get me out of the ring because I said, you know what? Fuck them. <laughs> I said, I ain't gonna fucking lay down there and just take a job and just for no reason and just lay there and then get up and leave the ring. I said, fucking make them work their fucking job. Let's put let's put Doug Dillinger, that cocksucker. Let's put him fucking to work. I hate his fucking guts. And and he hates my fucking guts. So so be it. But still, let's put them to work. You know? Get me out of the ring. I'm hurt. I'm injured. So, after the match was over, I laid there. And Lex, you know, kind of, you know, he bowed out a little bit and said, you know, this is too much. I laid right there and didn't fucking move and wasn't going to. I said, y'all move me if you want. They didn't know what to do. What should we do? Oh my God, he's got a broken neck. Oh my God, should we, should we move him? It was just, I just wanted to cause a little bit of hysteria with the situation of not doing what they were supposed to do professionally. And so I laid there. I laid there until they had like 15 guys come out and get me out of the ring. I mean, literally, the next match was starting, and they were getting me out of the ring. <laughs> and I didn't care, because I wanted to show them that I didn't care. If they don't care about me no more than that, to put these guys over when we're told a six-week break, then, okay, six-week break, then... You know, I don't feel so good. I'm a little lightheaded here in the ring. 
somebody get me out of the ring. Tough guys. So I did so. I made them get me out of the ring. Steve, what do you got for Buff? So given your uh, career in WCW, what were some of your favorite moments from WCW that you were a part of? Uh, you know, be- beating Flair was huge. Beating Piper. I beat Piper and Flair back-to-back. Uh, of course, WCW was infamous for, you know, running those kind of things. Uh, so I beat Flair. I beat Piper back-to-back. And then in front of 85,000 people at the Georgia Dome, David Flair, which couldn't run the fucking ropes pins me in Atlanta, Georgia in front of the 85,000 Buff Bible fans. I didn't even go to Eric with that. I went to Rick Flair with that. And I said, dude, I go, do you really think that he's ready for this? Do you really think he's up for this? I mean, is he, are, are you sure? And he, within the first 30 seconds of his explanation, it was so fucked up that I just was like, gotcha, out of respect to Rick Flair, one of the best workers in the world, one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I love him to death. I just said, Okay, gotcha. And he kept telling me the story that was coming back to me, which never did happen. But I knew it was never going to happen because I worked with this company for 11 consecutive years, and only two guys worked the company of WCW for 11 consecutive years, and that was Marcus Bagwell and Sting. That was it. Everybody else at least went back and forth at least once. Nobody, nobody stayed at WCW the 11 consecutive years except me and Steve. So I would get beat by guys that were hired by Vince, brought back to WCW, and put them over again. It was just almost... It was almost hysterical. It was just ridiculous. But I did it. Because that was what my job was called to do. That's what I was a team player. I did what I was going to do without causing troubles. And out of it still came all of this heat and hard to get along with guy that did everything I was told to do. You know, and so, you know, it was just, the bottom line is, WCW knew Marcus Alexander Bagwell. The WWF, not WWE, the WWF, they knew internet Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And that wasn't good enough because that was lies, that was not true stories, but everybody that was in WCW loved me and got along with me because we were a family.
of a sudden it was, you know, you know, same old thing. It was, it was like, you know, I'd done something wrong and, you know, I was a bad guy once again. And, um, you know, it was what it was. And, um, JR personally, personally, Jim Ross cost me millions of dollars by coming up with my mother called. Who in the fuck gets their mother to call to cancel their house shows when you just wrestled on main event raw with 25 staples in your head? And then to think the next week was fucking Atlanta. Why would they do that? Put Booker T and Buff Bagwell in Atlanta and see what that is going to do other than putting us in Tacoma, Washington, which we've never wrestled at in our lives. It was just stupid it was ridiculous and to add to the story which i don't give a shit if y'all believe me i don't give a shit if anybody listening believes me this is just the facts bro and that is i'm getting ready to go through the curtain of my music playing and a hand comes across me and i look and then shane mcmahon and shane goes i forgot to tell you which right off the bat was a lie. Right off the bat. And he says, Hey, um, forgot to tell you about this, but you can't look in the camera. And I said, Hey, have you ever seen one of my matches? Your entrance alone. That's all I do. I talk in the I talk into the camera. I wear my little top hat. I do my little buff strut. I do my little pose. And everybody's thrilled to death. So what you're saying is not is not even feasible. And he goes, can't do it, man. You can't do it. So go back. When we hang the phone up, go back and watch the Booker T match. And if you really got time... Go back and see the pre, the three previous matches before that on how much I talked in the camera. And then when it came to Booker T's match, I didn't talk in the camera once, not once. Now, you know, and I know that I didn't do that. I talked in the camera every time the red light was on. It was on me. I talked into 20 million viewers instead of 20,000 viewers. I used my head. It was common sense. The suits even came down and said, look, let Buff do what he wants to do. And the agents were pissed about it. But the bottom line was... It was my deal. It was my gimmick to talk to the to talk to the camera, and it got me over, you know. But he stopped.
I mean, actually, had the audacity, you know, the audacity to say, hey, I forgot to tell you, but you can't talk on the camera. I'm like, what? That's all I do, bro. And so, if you ever watch that show back, that match back, I'm like this. I'm going, I'm dodging the camera as much as I can. So, I, I don't get heat. You know, I'm like, dodging. You never see me in Booker T's match. Never once do I look in the camera. Not one time. After looking in the camera for two straight years. So it was just weird. It was just, you know, unnecessary. And it, it just, you know, it made them feel, I guess, better that they showed that we couldn't, you know, we couldn't perform in front of a crowd and that's what made us, you know, bad guys. You know, we were, they tried and, oh God, they didn't pull it off. Instead of giving us a fair trial seven days later and called it the invasion in Ted Turner's backyard. If you were Vince McMahon, which one would you choose? You would choose to be in Ted Turner's backyard and call it the invasion and make it impactful. Instead, they did it in 5,000 miles away and it wasn't near impactful and we got booed out of the building. So, and this was, it, it was, it. we knew, we knew in Tacoma it was over. Everybody else didn't know until it was over that it was over. We knew in Tacoma it was done. And we just had no say so and there's nothing you can say to fix it. So we just went along with it. Yeah. Zach, what did you have for Buff? Uh, just out uh, of all the times you've tagged, who was your favorite tag team partner? That's tough, man. That's really tough because, I mean, I loved them all. I mean, you know, first of all, everybody wants to say I'm a five-time tag team champion. I'm a six-time tag team champion with five different partners. The reason why it's six and five is because I won two championship belts with Dale Wilkes. Everybody else was just once. So there was six world championships with five different partners. But um, it just, it just, you know, it just was, um, it just, it just was kind of stupid. Uh, I don't know how they did all of it. But regardless of the fact, um, you know, nobody's ever beat that. Unfortunately, for my sake, there's no trophy for that. There's no Hall of Fame ring for that, obviously. And, but at the same time, I think it's a damn good, pretty good um, thing to be a part of, which is, you know, I was part of having six World Tag Team Championships with five different partners, and that's a big deal. You know, I mean, it ain't like Scorpio wrestled like Luger. It ain't like Luger wrestled like uh, Scotty Riggs. It ain't like Scotty Riggs wrestled like um, Shane Douglas. 
I mean, everybody was extremely different. Dale Wilkins didn't wrestle like Tuchel. I mean, I had to adapt to make all of those championships work. And that doesn't mean that I'm cool or I'm better than anybody. It just means the facts. I had to adapt to make all of those work. And I did so, which, which I'm glad, because it made me a much better worker. It showed me how to adjust to different tag teams and and be part of, you know, a great, you know, a great career. One thing I wanted to ask, and I've always really been curious about this, where did the inspiration for the top hat come from? Because, Buff, i got to tell you, it is one of the coolest things I have ever seen a wrestler wear to the ring, and nobody's done it. And guess what? What? Nobody ever can. Nope. Because if they do, guess what people are going to say? Gimmick infringement. There's that, that's, oh, I remember that. That's that buff back will stop that thing. So if they want to follow the leader, they can do it. Go for it. But they can't. To leave a dent in this industry, something like this, to leave a dent in the history of pro wrestling, is leaving a dent like, Jake the Snake Roberts with his DDT, and that was a big problem when all the the you know the lightweight guys started doing the DDT is like a high high spot. You know, it wasn't a high spot; it was a finishing move, but it pissed Jake off tremendously. And I get it, but at the same time, the top hat's a different thing. Nobody can wear a top hat out for two reasons: one, they don't look near as good as me in it. That's number one. Number two, if they did it, it's going to look like they are copying me. Oh, yeah, that's that buff back guy that, that wore the top hat. So their nits never going to be theirs regardless. And they're at least smart enough to realize that. And at least nobody been, has got the balls enough to go out and put the top hat on to do that. Give it a go, bro. I, 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 I can care less. Give it a go. My God, I can't believe you guys are big enough pussies that you won't even give it a go. Give it a go. I mean, throw the top hat on and give it a shot. I mean, my God, if I was sold that during my run, I would go straight to the top hat and go straight to doing it. But they are scared because of what what it's going to lead to. It's going to lead to, it's not their top hat, it's Buff Bagel's top hat. And, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, so, long story short, um, yeah, I, to the point where I'd like to be able to even pass it off to somebody and let them give it a go, you know, and then perform behind them and let it be like a really cool thing that they were able to do but it's just um, it just really is it's made a dent so big in the industry that it's going to come with some some reaction and that's not good for guys that don't want you know that kind of attention well so one thing I want to make sure that we get plugged into here during this episode uh, is your website it's the one-stop shop for all things Buff Bagwell, correct? 
Yes. You want to go and plug that uh, website for the listeners? Yes, absolutely. It's MarcusBuffBagwood.com. MarcusBuffBagwood.com. It shows all of my social media. It shows all of my, um, it shows my entire schedule. It shows where I'm at, where I'm going to be. It shows everything about me. And so, you know, I think it's a great thing. And, you know, um, you can check it out anytime you want to see what's best for, you know, you you checking it out and seeing what you like about it. So it really is up to you. And and I wish to God you guys would check it out because it really is a great, great website. It shows all my 8x10s. It shows all of my five volumes of my entire career, from Fabian to The Handsome Stranger to, you know, all the way up to the videos I've done with American Males and AHA, and it just shows everything. So it's a really, 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 really good website to show everything you want to see. Um, Another thing that I wanted to ask you, Buff, here from the, the questions here, what would you say, like, over your career, you've overcome so much adversity, and you've always had a good mindset to get back. No matter the setback, your comeback was always greater. Anybody out there that's been struggling with anything in life, what what words of advice could you give them to help get over what they're struggling with? Don't give up. Um, you got to realize, bro, mine started with a broke neck in April 23rd, 1998. I had a broke neck that was going to lead to my complete ending of my career. And I did not allow it to be because I didn't allow it to be. I fought back. I got stronger. I got better. And to this day, I still get asked sometimes, hey, how's your neck? And I'm saying, wait a minute, bro. The neck's old news. I mean, I got two fake shoulders. I got two fake hips and still look like Bob Bagwell. So, you know, I always fight back to make it right. And that's not being cocky. That's being thankful to God that I'm able to do that. It's being thankful to God that he gives me the strength to do that. And it's being thankful to God to be able to result in back to, you know, being Buff Bagwell. And that's what I've done every time. I always come back and I'm Buff Bagwell. Paul, what do you have for Buff next? Um, <clears throat> you wrestled a lot of uh, great wrestlers in your day. Is there any wrestlers you have not uh, competed against that you'd like to? Not really. I mean, there's only a couple. It'd be like, um, Brock Lesnar, um, uh, who's the guy that's always wrestling against him? Roman. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Um, those kind of guys, absolutely. The rest of them, dude, I either wrestled or they really wasn't worthy enough to be big enough stars to wrestle at the time. They may be now, but they wasn't then. Um, so, I would love to be able to, you know, wrestle anybody that, you know, is out there and, and, and give them a chance at, you know, seeing what kind of, what kind of star they are, you know. So, um, 
the problem is I got to get back 100%, and I'm about 80, so in the next couple of months, I'm going to be 100% and be back in the ring 100%. So, you know, anybody that wants to give me a call can give me a call and set it up, and we'll see what they got. Can they find booking information for you on your website? Oh, absolutely. All you got to do is call my manager, and it's my actually my agent, and they all he does, his job is simply just to get the person that wants me in touch with me. And then I talk to the person and map it out. So you're more than welcome to call me anytime, any any stage of trying to get in touch with me. I'm the most easy to get along with guy in the world and get in touch with guy in the world. And at the same time, I'm always here and very easy to get along with. So Give me a shout, man. I'm here. So the one thing I do want to make sure all the listeners out there are aware of is when I did reach out to uh, Vinny to get you booked for this, very quick response, very professional, easy to work with, and that, that's what you're going to get when you go to book Buff Bagwell. Absolutely. Because I, I, just, I just hate what wrestlers put um, a lot of guys through, and it's just not fair. So I just hate that. And so I'm always about, you know, giving guys, you know, really straight up what's up and what's going on and give them the right, the right due for their, for their time. Dave, what do you got for Buff? So what advice would you give to people who are aspiring to be a pro wrestler or even an up and coming wrestler? Um, used to, I would say, don't do it. Um, but now I would say with everything that's going on with AEW and, you know, Game Changers Wrestling and all that stuff, there's Impact and everything else. There's a lot of different places to go and, and, and get a name for yourself. So I would say, you know, um, just if you're going to do it, bro, you got you can't have a ass go in it. you got to go all the way in. You gotta go all the way in. I'm going to be a pro wrestler, and I've got a plan to be a pro wrestler, and I'm going all the way in. And that's how you gotta do it. Zach, what do you got for, for Buff? Go ahead, I lost my oh. uh, one thing I do want to talk about while Zach gets his next question ready. Your Twitter. I, I have got to plug the shit out of this Twitter. It is an entertaining damn thing on Twitter right now. I I love I absolutely love it. You're the big with you and Joey Janella on on Twitter. But how did start because god damn that's entertaining shit dude i i just i just started really telling the truth with um with everybody that as a free you know speech of mine of uh, the trans 
story short, you know, it's just kind of silly, but uh, it is what it is, and you got to kind of go with it, you know. Listen, guys out there listening, make sure to follow Buff on Twitter. It is going to be at Mark Buff Bagwell. Send at 33,000 followers for the Buff Daddy and growing and growing. I'm telling you guys and out grow. there, if you want entertainment, I'm talking to laugh your ass off. The Buff Bagwell Twitter, that is where the fuck you need to be. Yes. Uh, another question I had for you, Buff, is a lot of reports came out about the, the controversy backstage at WCW, just mass chaos towards the end. From somebody that was actually there and can speak on that, what, was it really that bad backstage? Absolutely not, bro. It, 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 that's just all... You know, every bit of that, and, and, and keep in mind, there's going to be people that hear this, they go, oh, he's lying, and there's going to be people that hear this, they go, he's telling the truth. And either one, please hear me, I'm not being ugly, I don't care, because I'm just telling the truth. And the truth is, I was there, bro, which is three quarters more than anybody else that can say that's talking about it. I was there. And things like the door one time was not unlocked for us to get through the door for Scotty to break a TV. And the guy went to Eric and blamed it on us. So here we are, main event on Nitro. And we're having to argue with Eric backstage on the guy telling a lie and saying that we were hard to deal with and blah, 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 blah. When really, he did not realize the doors locked when they closed. And so when we went to go out, the doors were locked and there was nothing we could do. So it was just stuff like that that got us heat. And it was nothing to do with us whatsoever. It was just, people just, it's just easy to hate, you know, the underdogs. And they, of course, went after the underdogs and and did their deal, you know. But it was just kind of stupid. Colin, what about you? Got another question for Buff? Or Zach? Okay, okay. Um, You were talking about uh, having played baseball and football. do you still follow any of those sports, or are you just all about wrestling? Oh, no, no, no. I still follow football and baseball and stuff. I just, you know, I just, uh, I don't follow high school football, baseball. Um, but I, I still follow football, baseball. And I'm just I'm just all about sports, period. Um, it's not about football or baseball. It's just about sports. I like, I like ball, you know, any kind of ball, basketball. You know, anything. I just like, you know, ball. I, I like um, competition and being active. So I just, I just dig any kind of athletic sport. Let's say in your time in WCW, you did do a lot of work with Scott Steiner. I was curious if you guys ever trained together, and if so, what was that like? Because Scotty's got an amazing body buff. You've always had a very good look to you. What was it like in the gym if you guys ever shared gym time together? We, we, we trained together some, but Scotty uh, had a different regiment than I had, and we did what was called a, um, uh, a pyramid uh, workout, which was a 
reverse pyramid workout, which means you do your heaviest weight first. If you, I don't tell kids this workout because I'm scared they'll hurt themselves, but you do the heaviest set first, and then you go lower and lower. For so you go eight, ten, twelve instead of twelve, ten, eight. You do a reverse pyramid, but by doing that, that means warm up at one thirty-five, warm up at one thirty-five, warm up at one thirty-five. Stretch, 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 and your first set is three fifteen for eight on incline. So you got to know what you're doing before you do that. That's why I don't tell kids that workout because if they don't warm up properly, they're going to rip their, they're going to tear their delt. And so I don't give them that exercise because it's something they got to really know what they're doing before they do it. But it, it's also something if you learn to do it. It's one of the best growing, you know, procedures in the world, and Lex Luger taught me. I can't even imagine what it'd be like to work out with Lex Luger. That man literally looked like he was sculpted from granite. Yes, he was. In WCW, um, when the NWO started, and the, the war between WWF and WCW really started to pick up, did you know the NWO was going to be a huge success when it started? Of course not. We all thought it was going to be a flop. You know, we all thought it was going to be, we were going to be the he the, the guys, we were going to be the heels. And, but instead, it, it turned out to be where we were the baby faces, and then it messed up everybody, and they didn't know what to do, you know? Steve, did you have another question for Buff? All right, well, Buff, we'll go ahead and wrap this up here. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And, guys, out there, before uh, before we close this out, make sure to follow Buff Bagwell. That's Mark Buff Bagwell on Twitter. Check out the website to book Buff Bagwell. You will not regret it. Buff is a tremendous guy to work with. I have truly enjoyed I know these guys have enjoyed their time with Buff. And also, guys, make sure to check Heated Shenanigans out on Facebook. Give us a like and follow. It really helps out a lot. And, again, thank you, Buff, for taking time out here. I know you're very busy schedule. No, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it so much. Remember, MarcusBuffBible.com, and that shows you everything. All my social media, it shows everything you need to see. All right, well, we'll go on in this episode again. Thank you very much, guys, for everything that you do. Thank you. Hey, man, thank you guys so much, man. Thanks so much. All right, have a good night, Buff. You too, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.